Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. Y'all give our band a great hand again. I love these guys. Don't they do awesome bring us to worship? You guys be dismissed. Thank you guys so, so much. Man, it's so good to see you guys. And, and I just want to open up a prayer before we jump into the Word today. Thank you, Pastor Jim. And um, just very, very thankful for what God is doing and, and um, just uh, thankful for you being here. And, and we're going to talk about some things today I think is going to be helpful to us. And, and all of our lives is something that we deal with, and it's called stress. So let's, uh, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we love you so much, and we honor you, and thank you for these precious moments we share. And God, we just thank you, Lord, um, that we're able to get up and be here today. What a privilege it is. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would just speak to our hearts through your word, and God, through the peering over your shoulder and the life before you gave your life at the, at the cross, God, of what you went through for each of us. And uh, may we learn great principles from your word today. And we pray, God, if for someone that doesn't know you, that they will before this day ends. Those watching online and those that's in person, may we just right now, God, steal away our hearts and focus on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Thank you guys so much. So let me ask this question when we think about those of you that's watching online and those of you that's here. How many of you here have got a stress ball? Raise your hand. You got a stress ball. All right. How many of you agree with me that it is the biggest ripoff that's ever been come about in human history? Because I don't care what nobody says. If I had a dozen of these things right here, it is not going to get rid of my stress. I don't care how hard I squeeze it. I don't care how much I focus on it and say, stress go there, stress go there, stress go there. Because it ain't going nowhere, nowhere, nowhere. But anyway... Well, that being said, you know, a lot of times people want to get these different avenues of stress. And, and so we now here, when we think about coming into this wonderful season that we're in, it even begins to multiply. And so let me ask you this. How many of you have really felt the effects of stress lately? Would you raise your hand? Yes, yes, that's, that's a lot of people. And really, this, uh, a lot of the stats show in the U.S. that there's probably as much as more than a third of people that have a high-level rate of stress or more in the United States of America. And so in the holiday season, which is supposed to be one of the happiest times that we can spend in the year, you have all these family expectations. You have situation that goes on with finances because it's so expensive this time of year. And then the stress of trying to find that one perfect gift for the person that's really hard to buy for. How many of you know somebody in your life it's hard to buy for? Raise your hand. How many of you are sitting by them? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Just look at me and say, yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, so that's kind of what happens. But really, there's a lot of different definitions for stress. But here's, here's the definition I want to share with you. Really, the definition of stress is the result of carrying too great of a weight. That's what it is. Because you're trying to carry things that you weren't designed to carry. And in our time, we try to put way too much in our iCal or in your pocket calendar. We try to be able to do too much when it comes to our money. It seems that we got a whole lot more Christmas gifts to buy than we do have the resources to be able to do it. Or maybe it's a situation in your relationships to where that your relationships is causing you so much stress. Or maybe just yourself, the way you carry yourself. You're causing your own self-anxiety and stress. See, stress 
is the body's reaction to change that which requires a physical or mental or emotional adjustment. You've got to respond to that. And there's many consequences of stress, but the most important ones when you think about would be really stress is going to make your relationships suffer. And that makes it tough for the people that you love around you and adjustments need to be made. There's going to be situations where the most important one would be like your career or your job or where you're at in that, which in that financial realm that you're trying to work, it's, you're wondering, how am I going to get through this? If you don't watch it, stress is going to damage that for you. I can tell you what stress to do. It will raise the level of things in your life and in your health condition to where that you can have a heart attack or you can have and be able to suffer a stroke. Those things can come about in your life and you'll end up having mental health problems to the point that you have a high level of anxiety and be able to dealing with depression. Americans get this. This is crazy. Americans consume about a billion dollars worth of anti-anxiety medicines per year. Get this, the U.S. of A. only makes up 5% of the global population, yet we consume over a third of the world's pills. Stress drains us mentally, emotionally, physically. It hits us inside and out and when you think about the worst part is that our many ways of dealing with stress people are on drugs legal and illegal pain meds all those kind of things alcohol smoking and overeating all these kind of things that happens and actually these things when you try to ease the burden and get the stress ball and you got the food in the other hand the stress ball in one these are counterproductive and what it ends up doing it makes stress even worse in our lives and it can make it more reactive that is it can be sensitive to even building up with further stress in your life Stress can be better managed. You always hear it from the doctors and the health experts with regular diet and exercise, relaxation, taking breaks, and being able to live what we would call a more predictable lives. But I've never seen so many unpredictable lives that people live today, especially in this nation, that we ought to be able to do it any way we want to. When it comes to you, if you're here today and you lifted your hand of making needed changes in your life, it depends highly upon you and your discipline to do so. Because if you don't, stress is going to run so wild in your life, it's going to damage you and everything around you. And then you're going to try to pick up pieces at a later time in life if you have the health or if you even have the life to do so. I'll never forget when I was a kid. We were farmers, and my parents were and growing up, and I remember uh, we just had all kinds of animals, you know. We had everything around the house. We had cows, and, you know, and we, we had cows and dogs and cats and just all kinds of different animals. We had a pet skunk one time, but this time was different. This time, my dad comes home, and he brings home these two little baby groundhogs about this long, little baby ones. The mother had gotten ran over on the road. So dad brings them home. And unfortunately, one of the babies died. But my mother took a glass baby bottle about this big, a little bitty one, just a junior little nipple on the thing, and put warm whole milk in it. And we nursed that little bitty baby groundhog up to the point that it became the best pet I ever had. 
This little groundhog would run inside the door with the dogs, and he would run in, and he would jump up in the chair, and this was his favorite snack. I don't know if you ever remember, and I don't know if they have them anymore, but the saltine crackers that are in the big squares they used to sell, we would take that and slap peanut butter on that and put it together, and he would sit there in that chair and eat it with the rest of us while we ate. It was so cool. He was such, and we spent a lot of time doing everything we could do to tame this wild hog. And you know, it kind of reminds me of like stress. When stress gets really wild in your life, if you don't do something, I promise you it's going to lead to health problems that will not be a good outcome. So let me ask you this. When you think about stress, stress can be neutral, stress can be negative, or stress can be a positive experience. You say, how in the world, Pastor, could stress be a positive experience in my life? Because that's when you make a decision and your heart, mind, body, and soul to go and get help from our designer, God Almighty. And that's where living with less stress and taming stress begins. Today, I want us to look at the most stressful event ever in history, which is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And over the next few moments, I just want to ask you to vicariously peer over the shoulder of our Savior to the events that surrounded his life. And hopefully, my prayer is, is that you'll get a proper read on stress. And, and I'm not telling you that if you download this stuff and that I tell you today and you're going to go out in your life and you're going to come back next week and say, Pastor, I've never had stress again since last Sunday. I'm not saying that, but let me tell you what part of life is. Processing stress. Processing stress. But I will make you this promise today if you will do what we learned that jesus did and you apply these principles in your life it will change the way you deal with handle stress and it's going to give you freedom it's going to give you exhilaration you didn't have it's going to be able to help you with excitement you never thought that you could have before but let me tell you once again it's up to you if you want it to be possible so here's jesus that's always been and always has been. A lot of people think that Jesus started in this world when he was born in a little manger and all those kind of things, which was actually a cave. But Jesus came here to fulfill his Father's will. He came down the stairway of heaven. He came here and he lived among men with an earthly father and mother till the age of 30. His only other mention was the age of 12 when he was at, there at the temple teaching the Pharisees and Sadducees and everyone else who would listen. That was the only other mention at 12 that he was mentioned. But at age 30, the reason he came out at age 30, because that was a time of Jewish culture that a person could be looked at as a rabbi or a teacher at age 30 to be able to have the respect and honor. So he goes down to the River Jordan. He is baptized of John. And we know that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all present. And God said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And he began his ministry. So for three years, almost three and a half years, he did everything that's, uh, that, it, that was just blown people's minds of how that he was doing miracles and raising the dead and, and helping those that were mute to speak and those that were deaf to be able to hear and, and taking little lunches and feeding, multiply, multiplying thousands of meals for people. All these things, even John said that the books could not tame the things that he did. But then he knew he was on his way to a journey of a mission to fill his father's will die for humanity and on the thursday night when he's setting up the time of communion in the last supper there he goes and all the guys came in and 
they had this pride issue going on. They was arguing among themselves which one would be the greatest. So no one washed anyone's feet, which was a custom of the day, because Palestinian roads were an inch thick with dust, and they get it all over the sandals. And so it was a customary thing to do, but nobody would humble themselves to be able to wash feet. So Jesus told them the great, taught them the greatest lesson of servanthood ever taught in John's Gospel, chapter 13. And then after he tells them that someone's going to betray him, he handed the bread and dipped it and handed it to Judas. But the guys that went completely over their head, they had no idea when Jesus told him to go and do what he was going to do, they thought he was simply going out. Judas was going out to take care of paying for the meal because he was their treasure. And he often, the scripture says, took some for himself. But imagine you're washing feet and you're God and you're human. And you're looking and you're washing Peter's feet, knowing just shortly after he's going to deny me I'm washing his feet. Oh, I spent so much time with you, Thomas, but you're going to doubt me. And I wash his feet. I get to Judas and I think, you sold me out. 30 pieces of silver. And he washed his feet anyway. So after Judas leaves, he and the 11 go down the Kidron Valley. They go up on the slopes of the Mount of Olives. He leaves eight of them there, and Peter, James, and John, and Jesus go into the Garden of Gethsemane. The scripture tells us that Jesus, when a stone's throw further, and he made himself prostrate before the Lord to pray to him, to his heavenly Father. He asked Peter, James, and John before he left to, to be able to pray for him. He said, the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And so, when you think about Gethsemane, it was an Aramaic name, which means olive press. And literally, Jesus at this moment was being pressed with unsurmountable anxiety, unsurmountable stress. But he knew what he was facing. In a few short hours, he was going to have to pay the price for my sin and for yours. And he asked his disciples, will you pull an all-nighter with me? Will you pray with me? And they should have been praying. But every time Jesus returned, they were sleeping. I begin in Luke's gospel, chapter 22, of what Jesus said to his father. He said, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. When you think about the cup here, what does he mean, take away a cup, a literal cup? No, no, he's referring to the suffering that he was about to endure. And Jesus was expressing the natural human desire that he did not want to go through the pain. He did not want to go through the suffering, the pain and agony of the cross. But most of all, he knew that he was going to be facing in a few short hours the separation from his Father in heaven in order to die for our sins. You think about the cup. Think about your cup. I think about my cup when I cry out, God, help me, help me, help me, God, with my cup. I don't like this cup. I don't like the cup of where my career is going. I don't like the cup of what's facing with my schooling. I don't like the cup of the direction it seems my marriage is going. I don't like the cup of what I'm facing here. I can't handle anymore, God. I can't handle the parenting thing. How much more can I give out to my kids? How much more can I give in my relationship? I can't handle this cup of illness. What's going to become of my life? What's going to become of my health? Scripture goes on to say, Jesus says, Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. 
Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Do you realize that Jesus was under such severe stress and anxiety that a rare physical phenomenon called hermitidrosis was happening in his body. Say, what do you mean? This is a moment to where tiny blood vessels, because of the stress and the agony and the anxiety that he was having, little tiny blood vessels in his sweat glands began to burst. And as the sweat came out, it was mixed with sweat and blood. And Jesus actually bled for you and I in the garden before he ever went to the cross. So when anxiety, I want to encourage you, attacks you, we've got to do like Jesus did. We've got to call on God. We've got to call out to God. The more that, and when we look at our lives, a lot of times if we're just bound down with a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, before we call on God, we call on the doctors. Before we call out to God in prayer, we're looking for pills. And there's nothing wrong with our doctors in the medical industry. And there's medicine that helps us in a myriad of different things, including stress and anxiety. But my point that I want you to know is, is that a lot of people, they go to other resources and other avenues before they ever call out to God. We're going to go to the doctor. If you're not careful, you get, on, you get on Xanax or you get on Paxil and you think the meds is the answer. And Jesus is saying prayer is the answer because if you'll carve out time, God wants to help me and you in a myriad of different ways. But we've got to talk to him and we've got to come to him when we're anxious and we're overwhelmed and when we're stressed. In a time of prayer, carve out conversation time with God. I promise you, a lot of times, even if you don't feel like he's receiving it, you don't feel like you're reaching the throne room of heaven, I promise you, if your heart is sinless, you prayed for forgiveness, you're a born-again Christian when you pray to him. Listen, it's not long prayers, it's not long without prayer that makes the difference in your life when you're facing a stressful, hard situation. The Bible says it was usual for Christ to go into the garden and pray. It was a regular part of his day. Talk to him first before you go to any other avenues. It goes on to say here, this says it, but even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached, led by Judas, one of the 12 disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords. And one of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear, healed him. There's going to be times in your life when conflicts are going to arise. Anxiety is high and stress is off the charts. And when that happens, when conflict corners you, you got to at that moment change your focus. That's what Jesus was trying to tell them. You got to change your focus, guys. Fighting is not the answer in this situation. Listen, this is not it. The secret of conflict re resolution is starting to understand where the other person's coming from. What is the other person dealing with? Fighting with another person is never going to resolve anything. What it ends up causing is in, in our lives, you think about what causes the conflicts that escalate, that get out of control. You say, what is it, Pastor? Selfishness and pride. In our own lives, we're all to a degree selfish and we're prideful. 
And to get rid of selfishness and pride, you've got to lose 100% of the conflicts that you're going through. And we tend to just want to see things my way. It's my way or the highway. And we end up being demanding people. We end up being people that are unsympathetic. I want it my way. And no matter who, it's going to hurt, offend, or what's going to take place. We hold grudges against people. We hold resentment against people. Listen, let me tell you something. If you've never sinned, stand up because I need to talk to you because I've sinned. I've messed up. I've made my mistakes. I've hurt and I've offended people. All have sinned and falls short of God's glory. It's important that we get that in our minds and in our hearts and that the ultimate stressor has the ability to run wild in our lives if you hold on to grudges and you hold on to resentment. Going further in the story, it says that they arrested him, talking about Jesus, and led him to the high priest's home. See, these disciples, they hung out with Jesus for over three years, and now they scattered in all kinds of different directions. Where were they when the going got tough? The disciples got going. Listen to this next one here. This is pretty interesting, and I think we can pull some depth from it. It says, and Peter followed at a distance. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. See, Peter, even after that moment, went on and denied after that two more times that he didn't even know Jesus. The very same one that he had just told Jesus earlier, you are the Christ. Who would we go to other than you? I will die for you, Jesus. Jesus told him, no, you won't. No, you won't. Do you notice the progression here of compromise? when we follow Jesus at a distance? You see, after the third time and the rooster crowed, Jesus' words that he told Peter that his betrayal was going to take place earlier rang clear in his mind, and Peter began to weep. See, we as human people that interact in this world, we face compromising situations every single day, and you're pressured to do something you didn't want to do. Or you're pressured to face something, some kind of wrong that you know you really don't want to do. You remember how it was when we were in school? It was either do the right thing or listen to the crowds. Remember that? A lot of pressure going on when we were in school. How many of you remember the first time you were pressured to smoke a cigarette? Raise your hand. Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, we had a lot of liars in the last service too. Yeah, just kidding. You might not be. A smoking won't send you to hell. You just smell like you've been there. But anyway... Think about this. Think about when you were pressured to smoke a cigarette. Think about when you were pressured and someone's cussing and say, why don't you cuss? Think about that moment. Think about there when you were pressured to face someone was pressuring you to take drugs. Or maybe someone was pressuring you to smoke pot or someone was pressuring you to have sex out of wedlock. Do you realize what was happening in that moment? And the list goes on and on. You had a choice to make, and at that very moment, you were under stress. Today in the business world, those of you that are in business, you're making business decisions. Am I going to put people over profits? 
or am I going to put profits over people? Are you going to tell the truth and lose the sale, or are you going to tell a lie in order to make the sale? See, ethics is huge to the Lord Jesus Christ. Integrity is huge to our Savior. Ethical, moral decisions will confront you every single day of your life, whether you're a parent, whether you're a partner, or whether you're a professional. So, the question is, what are you going to do when you're faced with it? I want to challenge you. And, and this is, this, I'm, remember, I always tell you, if I'm pointing at you, there's three wiggling back at me. This thing don't do a bit of good. When you're faced with a compromising situation, number one, just do the right thing. Do the right thing. Long-term, doing the right thing will always be easier. It won't seem like it in the moment. It's always less stressful. It's not easier in the moment, but it's always less stressful in the long run. Why is that? Because when you do the easy thing, what you're doing, you're compromising your own conviction. You throw your integrity out the window, and you do something that you know is dishonest. You carry guilt. You carry fear of being found out the rest of your life. Will I ever get caught? Will anyone know? And that keeps you riding on a choo-choo-choo-choo on the stress express. The constant stress all the time. And you know what? The more distance that you put between you and Jesus, the more you put your integrity on the line for short-term gain. Immediately, under tension, people wonder, is my skeleton ever going to come out of the closet? Will I be found out? And some of you here are watching online. You may be thinking of something. You right now are hoping that people never, ever, ever find out. What you sow and what I sow I promise you, my friend, we will reap. What goes around comes around. If you cheat other people, you're going to get cheated. And there's one fundamental decision that you're going to have to make in your life. What's more important, truth or things? Truth or things? I want you to think about that for a moment. If truth is more important then you're not going to be a person that's going to um, go into a situation and compromise. You're going to do the right thing, but if things are more important to you, then you're going to give up the truth, and that's where you're going to live. So when you're faced with compromising the truth, you've got to do the right thing, but most of all, you've got to trust God for your future. You know when you look at Peter's life here? You know what Peter was doing in that moment by the fire? He was making a right now decision. He was scared of being arrested. And ultimately, he saw that Jesus was in a really bad situation. He thought, well, I'm going to be next as well. So let me say this. I want to tell you, don't envy people who try to skip the truth and be able to look really cool to the crowd in that moment because... You're thinking, well, they're going to be able to get out of trouble. I'm going to get out of trouble if I do this. No, 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 no. Anyone that you look at in this life that's getting wealthy or making progress by deceitful means, I promise you, they don't have a future and they're going to be found out. You reap what you sow. And some people, they'll come to me and they'll say, man, you just don't understand, Pastor. I knew somebody oh, their whole life they did this. And they, Listen, you'll either reap it here on this earth or you're going to reap it at judgment. You will reap what you sow. It's just a matter of time. 
What goes around comes around. It's going to happen. It is karma at its best, and I want you to understand that. If you try to stand up for anything in this world, here's what I know. You're going to be criticized. You're going to be criticized to the hill. And the only way that you're not going to be criticized in this life is for you to do nothing, be nothing, and not ever say nothing. You're going to be criticized. People are going to judge your motives. People are going to misjudge your reasons. People are going to put down your methods. They're going to say critical things about you, but you've got to rise above the fray. Don't worry about it. Let them say what they want to say. Don't get stressed out about it. Don't take this right here and and take medicine and stress balls and everything else and get addicted to alcohol and drugs. Just trust the Lord and look to Him for the future He's already laid out before you. Leave it in His hands. Trust God for his reward for you. Here's Jesus. They take him and they put him through, the scripture teaches, six different trials. Next thing you know, he's in front of Pilate who could have freed him. But due to compromise, he washed his hands of it and told them to do what they wish. He went. 39 lashes to the cat of nine tails and sent to be put to death on a Roman cross. Imagine what he went through, making fun of him, taking thorns and putting it on his head and making fun of the king of the Jews. Imagine the Roman soldiers taking a purple garment and putting it on him to make fun of him. Only kings wore purple and very rich people. I don't know if you know this, but in order to have a purple garment in that day and time, it took a quarter of a million mullets out of the Mediterranean Sea to make one ounce of purple dye. That was an expensive garment at the thrill and the fun of what they were doing to an agonizing Jesus facing the cross. Then he goes to the cross and they nail his hands and his feet. Then they stretch him up full view, naked before people and the religious people. It says in John's Gospel, chapter 19, beginning with verse 25, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, referring to John, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. Here, John made his way to the foot of the cross, the only disciple that did. The rest of them, according to Scripture and history, were all martyred and put to death. John was the only disciple that lived out a natural life. And he's standing here with a small group of people gathered there with their eyes on Jesus. See, stress will get really, really, really wild when we get our priorities out of whack. See, stress goes down when the right priorities goes up in our lives. And so when you get puzzled in your life about priorities, you got to follow Jesus as a lifestyle. 
Jesus is not to be followed and just use him as a get out of hell free card. He's not to be followed that when things get tough, we pull him off the shelf and we use him in our life. If you put into practice what Jesus is teaching, every single one of us here, his way of living, God and all of his peace, despite what you're going through, his peace will hang out at your house. And that's huge. And that's a huge promise. God will never be the priority police in your life. I promise you that. He's just not going to do it. So you look at John and his small group of people, and they're taking care of one another from that point forward. It's a great way to see that why groups are so important in a church. I have a friend of mine in California. They're still not meeting in church. They're just having groups. They don't get to meet like this. And so I think about my own group, and I'm in, and with COVID and other things going on, I missed for a while. And man, I got back to it and I thought, man, this is where it's at. A group of guys that truly do love each other, care for each other, pray for each other, there for each other, no matter what happens, a band of brothers. And you know, we have all kinds of groups in our church, men, women, couples, young adults, older adults, everywhere in between. And just like the small group that stood together at the feet of Jesus, they're being crucified. They made it through the good, the bad, and the ugliest days of their lives. And God would allow you to be able to take many stress tests in your life. You're going to go through that. But what is so awesome about many of you, you may know that you've been through some stress tests and you may know in, in, in your life that, that you have heard that God loves you, but you've really never felt it need to get into a small group of people so that you see God's love shine through with other Christians who's going to support you and they're going to love you like God loves you. See, groups, when you're thinking about things that we go through in life, are there one for another. And groups are a stress reliever when we're facing any kind of crisis of compromise or of conflict or anything else that's going on in our lives. Every single person here needs a 2 a.m. friend. You say, what is that? That's that person that you developed a relationship with and loves God and loves you. But you can call at 2 o'clock in the morning and they'll be like the minute, minute men of the Revolutionary War. They will be there at the beckoning call for you when you need them the most. See, we need each other to help get through the stresses of life. I need you and I hope you need me and we can encourage you other. But when you really get close with a small group of people, it makes a huge difference. So I want to challenge you, if you don't know anything about groups, go to the Connection Center today. There's all kinds you can get involved with because don't wait. You're just one friend away. Some of you may be here and say, I've been here a long time, but I don't know anybody. It's up to you to take that step of faith to get to know somebody. It's just me here sharing with you and all of you looking back at me. But when we get in our group, we talk to one another. We share with one another. We pray about things and pray for each other and everything going on in our life. And we ask questions to one another. We dive into the Word of God. We find out how to really encourage one another. And that is discipleship, being learners, trying to do life from God's perspective. And you know, a lot of people, it's, it, some people say, well, I've tried that Christian stuff, Pastor, and it just didn't work for me. You know what I want to say? I say, what do you mean? And why are you so miserable? See, you didn't stay with it long enough to get the benefits of what Jesus is wanting to give you through other people. 
It takes a long time to reformulate an entire lifestyle. You can't do that overnight. It doesn't happen in a couple of months. And the challenge is for you, if you really want to understand how to bring down stress in your life, read the Gospels, find out who Jesus is, and apply His teachings to your life. But also, I just want to challenge you to get into your church family, begin to get into a group and serve and give and do life from God's perspective, and things will begin to look up. You've got to get to know His way of doing life and you put it into practice. It's so important. Look what it says in John's Gospel in chapter 19, beginning with verse 30. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill Scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and released the spirit. Wow. You ever thought about the word it in the phrase and sentence, it is finished? See, the I in that word it stands for identity. Jesus knew who he was. Also the word T, the, the letter T, means that Jesus knew what his task was. He knew why he was here on this earth. Completed it for his heavenly father. I want to challenge you in such a dog-eat-dog world that we live in each day. When you are challenged to compare, I just want to challenge you, please live your life for an audience of one like Jesus did. Jesus was only trying to please the audience of one, which was his heavenly Father. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what your it is for? Do you know who you are? Do you know that you were bought with the price heaven's best? Do you know that you were made in God's image? Do you know that there's a task and only you can fulfill? See, my task and your task could simply be to please an audience of one in everything we say and everything that we do. Man, you're ready for a ride of your lifetime. Everything in our life will become so competitive and we've got to you have this mindset, I, I've just got to get ahead. I've got to, to move here. I've got to do this. I've got to elbow my way to the top. I've got to be out front. I've got to be the man. I've got to be the woman. Jesus never worried about competition. I want to challenge you. Stop comparing. So the devil. You say, why is that? Because when you spend your time trying to be and have what somebody else has got, you're missing out who, what Jesus wants you to be and what he wants you to have. You are unique. You are gifted. And God has got more from you than you can ever, ever imagine and pray for in your lifetime. Listen, if you're out there comparing, it's making you miserable. Jesus goes on in this moment, and after he died, he's buried in a borrowed tomb. And 
rose again. And when Christ rose again, when he conquered the grave, he did this so that you and I could get the ultimate stress relief from the sin that so easily besets us and pushes us down. You know, I told you earlier about my little wild groundhog. I love that dog. I love that little hog. He was just something else. I mean, you know, I could go to school and they would talk about, yeah, let, me, yeah, let me tell you about my cat. Let me tell you about my dog. I said, let me tell you about my groundhog. I felt special, you know, because I had this little pet, you know. But um, he would always, we would open the door and he'd come in with our dogs. And he would come in, he would jump up and see, we'd fix him peanut butter and crackers, favorite thing. Loved him, let you pet him, all those kind of things, hold him. And, but what we noticed as he grew older, that the visits got further between coming in the house. And pretty soon it got to be from a few times a day to once a day, and then once every other day. And then I remember there was no other day. And he never came back. You know why? Because he's wild. That was in his nature. You know what's in our nature? It's to be wild. Be dominated by sin because that's who we are. And that's why we need the taming nature of a man named Jesus. For my sins and died for yours. So we can be like him. And not be like our wild selves and go in a direction unknown that can take us further, keep us longer, and cost us more than we can ever imagine. But Jesus said the most profound words that's important for me and you in Matthew 11. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and you're carrying heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and my burden I give you is light would you stand with me as we pray Father we love you so much and we praise and honor your name this day and we're so blessed to peer over these, your shoulders vicariously God and see what your son Jesus went through for each of us God I pray Lord right now God for every person here that's bound down with anxiety and stress God that they're going to make a heartfelt decision right now God to give it to you so you can make their burden light that they will call upon your name they will do the right things they will trust you Heavenly Father and they're just going to live for you as the audience of one God there's no other way that's going to work except your way. As we continue praying, I want to ask you just to be honest. Would you hear on the sound of my voice or you're watching online, would you lift your hand right now and if you're just weighted down with more stress and anxiety than any person needs to be carrying and you want to get rid of it, would you just lift your hand real high say, man, I'm stressed out. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Would you pray for God to do a work and call on his name like Jesus prayed fervently in the garden right now. And I'll pray for you and pray with you. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for the honesty of your people, God. I pray in your name, Jesus, that you would just bless them in this moment, God. 
whether they're stressed out, God, as a parent or a partner in a business or a professional in their job, or God, they're stressed out and anxiety is overwhelming them in their relationships or with their health, or God, even about a future, God, with everything that's going on in this nation and world. I pray, God, that you're going to bring them relief right now in Jesus' name. As we continue praying, without Jesus in your heart and soul, you'll never experience the stress relief that you can have. And I will tell you where stress hits right now. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you right now are experiencing an insurmountable amount of stress of the enemy coming at you. And he's stressing you out trying to get you not to listen to the Holy Spirit's call of conviction on your heart in a loving way. And see, with this stress battle going on in your life, if you turn away Jesus, then you're going to turn away your future for now and forever. But if you come to Jesus, then this stressful moment and say, I'm going to say yes to Jesus and make him the Lord of my life, then he's going to pull away that stress, that anxiety, that fear, that guilt, those sins, and he's going to fill you up with peace to know that everything's going to be okay. The greatest decision you'll ever make. So if that's you today, would you pray to him right now? If you feel him knocking on your heart's door, step out in faith in your heart and open your heart to Jesus. And just tell him, say, Lord, I want to invite you into my soul. I don't like living in anxiety. I don't like the stressfulness. I want to shun Satan. I want to step to you, Lord. I invite you into my heart. Please, Lord, come into my life. I want to experience your peace. I want to experience your love, your joy. Despite my circumstances, Lord, come in. I need you. Tell him, say, Lord, I want to confess everything I've done wrong in my life. Things I've committed. People have hurt. Things I've done. I want to be a person of integrity. Tell him, say, Lord, would you save me? I give my life to you. I want to live for you, an audience of one. Save me. My life from now on is yours. If you've prayed the prayer of salvation in your way, under your conviction, the Lord has now, from the depths of your soul, poured his peace in your life that you can't even explain. Thank him for that. He's going to give you the power of his Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. This is the beginning of the best life here and now and forever. Father, thank you, God, for what you're doing. I pray for less stress in everyday life for every person here. Bless each one. Touch each one. God, in their lives, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, in every avenue, God, even professionally, God, bless them, God. And may this be the best Christmas season that we've ever experienced, despite any circumstances around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Could we give God praise today, church? All right. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today online. We know that you weren't able to join us in the auditorium, but that's totally fine because you've made this a priority in your life to make sure that you are receiving God's word. If you received Christ for the first time today, that's absolutely awesome, but we want to know about it. So if you can, if you're on Facebook, in the description there's a link. Go ahead and hit that and fill it out uh, on our connection card that you receive Christ. If you're on our website, if you're on an app, hit the menu at the top and you can do the same thing from there. 
So if you're already on the connection card, you probably are noticing some other next steps that might be interesting to you. If you are interested in any one of those, just check those and when you submit that, it'll inform us and we can be in contact with you to answer any questions that you may have about those next steps. So this is the time of our service where we're gonna jump into our giving. At Freedom Church, we believe that you can't outgive God. This is just another act of worship where we trust God with what He has blessed us with. If you're on Facebook, again, in the description, there's a link there. You can give securely, safely on the website and the app. Also in that menu, you can see a place to do that as well. But just because we're in the, the time of technology doesn't mean you can't do it the old-fashioned way. There is an address at the bottom of the screen that you can send it to and it'll, come, it'll show up safe as well. Or just drop it by the office anytime Monday through Thursday between 8 and 5 and we will receive it. Other than that, you have a great day.